This podcast is from the Rand Corporation, a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more Rand analysis, reports, and commentary on issues at the forefront of today's policy debate, visit www.rand.org. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Carmen Farrow. I'm a legislative analyst with Rand's Office of Congressional <coughs> Relations. I'd like to thank you for attending this important briefing, which is part of our monthly congressional briefing series. Today's briefing will focus on the findings of a RAND study titled Reparable Harm, Assessing Disparities Faced by Boys and Men of Color in California. The study is funded by the California Endowment. Our presenter, Rebecca Kilburn, is a senior economist at RAND, and her research generally focuses on issues related to the well-being of children and families. She has been part of the RAND team that has undertaken a decade-long program of research analyzing the costs and benefits of children's programs. She has also conducted numerous studies that evaluate the investments that parents and society make in children such as er such, in such areas as preschool and home visiting. Dr. Kilburn is the director of the Promising Practices Network, a website that presents evidence-based information on improving outcomes for children and families. She is co-author, along with Lois Davis and Dana Schultz, of Reparable Harm. Today's briefing is being recorded. A video will be available online at www.rand.org, or you can listen to today's discussion by subscribing to Rand's Congressional Briefing Series podcast on iTunes. Well, thanks for coming. It's really a pleasure to be here. And I wanted to start by recognizing my co-authors, Lois Davis and Dana Schultz, who are not able to be here today. So it's not news to any of you that boys and men of color experience disparities relative to their white peers in a range of outcomes such as the ones on this list. So what is the news that this report delivers? This report makes a couple of contributions. First, we look at an extremely comprehensive set of indicators. We analyzed well over 100 indicators for this report. And second, we developed a common way to characterize the disparities across these indicators. So some indicators are reported in percentages. Some might be four per 100,000, others $17,000. So how do you compare those different measurement scales with each other. So this report contributes by helping people understand the relative size of these disparities, also which outcomes exhibit the largest disparities, and finally the differences between African-American boys and men and Latino boys and men. The purpose of this research is really to serve as a starting point for thinking about the quest to reduce disparities. And that's one of the objectives of the California Endowment in California who sponsored this research. We worked with the endowment to identify these four focal areas for the indicators and also the individual indicators within these four areas. We consulted in the end dozens of data sets ranging from things like the census and kids count data to very specialized data sets from California departments. So what is the news in this report? Well, first, when we began collecting data for boys and men of color, we discovered that data were really only available for African Americans and Latinos. Data were very scarce for other groups of color. 
Second, within each of those four domains, we found that there was a range of disparity sizes. So you can't generalize and say that one group tends to have large or small disparities in one of those four areas. Third, we found that the disparities were very different for African American and Latino boys and men. So it's not accurate to say that boys of color exhibit a certain type of disparities. And it's not really accurate to use the term uh, boys of color when talking about these specific indicators. And then last, we found that there's unlikely to be a silver bullet to use to address these disparities, but rather it's likely to require a portfolio of approaches to reduce the disparities. So first I'll start by talking about, so what do we mean when we say boys and men of color? Boys are generally males under the age of 18, but um, who is a boy or a man of color um, turned out to be surprising to some people. So um, in California, what do you think is the largest group of boys in California? Hispanics. That, that isn't surprising to most people. Um, it turns out slightly less than half of boys in California are Latinos, and slightly over a third are white. But it does surprise some people that there are more Asian boys in California than African American boys. In fact, there are 50% more Asian boys in California than African American boys. And yet when we went to look at the data, we found almost no data that we could use on Asian boys and men. So in this report, we summarize data for whites, Latinos, and African Americans. So now I'll turn to um, the individual disparities. Um, we developed, as I mentioned, this uh, common way of characterizing the disparities. And when we selected all of those indicators that we analyzed, we really um, wanted them to have several criteria. First, we wanted them to be um, meaningful to readers. So that is, we wanted them to be understandable and also to be relevant. Second, we wanted them to be very comprehensive. As I said, we were trying to look across a range of outcome areas to think about where one might start to address disparities. And last, we wanted them to be collected regularly over time so that these data could also be used as a benchmark when you were trying to assess whether the disparities have been reduced over time. So the study focused on four socioeconomic indicators. And um, in the tables that I'll present, we will um, use this common metric that I mentioned to um, talk about the relative size of these disparities for Latinos and African Americans. And I'll use the example of the child poverty rate to um, describe our metric. If you look at the raw data for the child poverty rate, you see that 8% of white children in California live in poverty, while 27% of both African American and Latino children live in poverty. So what we did is we created an index, an odds ratio, of the rate for African Americans and Latinos relative to whites, in this case 27 divided by 8, and so that the odds were 3.4 times greater for African Americans and Latinos that they would be in poverty. In the tables and the data I present here, we focused on those indicators where the odds were two times 
or more greater for African Americans and Latinos. And so what's magic about the number two? Well, it turns out uh, nothing really. Um, that's an arbitrary cutoff, but we chose that cutoff as a starting point for the discussions. So in the area of socioeconomic outcomes, um, this demonstrates what I mentioned earlier, that often you see very different rates for the African American and Latino boys and men. The cells that we highlight are those cases that have an odds ratio greater than two, and the unshaded cells have a number less than two. As I mentioned, we analyzed um, over 100 indicators, and in the next few slides, I'll um, discuss in more detail just a couple of the noteworthy ones. But if you consult the report, you can get very detailed information on all those indicators. So this is a good example of a case where the odds are very different for the two groups. We see that Latinos are about the same, uh, have about the same rate of living in a single parent household as whites. But African American children have two and a half times greater odds of living in a single parent family. We know this is important because a large body of research shows that one parent families not only have less income to devote to child rearing, but also a lot less time than a two parent family. And also other types of resources are more scarce. There's less social capital, and those families are also less likely to live in enriching neighborhoods. This is one of the more dramatic differences that we observed in the report. We find that Latino mothers are 10 times more likely to have less than a high school education. Um, African American uh, mothers are two times more likely to have less than a uh, high school degree, but um, you can see this is a very, very large disparity for the Latino children. This is important because a, again, large body of research, decades of research show that maternal education is highly correlated with um, the outcomes of their children as well as things like family income, and it's also related to parenting practices. For example, more educated mothers are more likely to engage in positive um, health behaviors, also um, things like um, reading to children, other um, enriching child activities. So now turning to the area of the health disparities, we identified 10 indicators that had um, an odds of 2.0 or greater, as I mentioned. And again, we see a different picture for the Latino community and the African American community. I wanted to point out on the far right column, those indicators with stars are cases where we didn't have enough data to calculate precise estimates for the African-American community. So even in this case where we did have African-American data, often the sample sizes weren't large enough to be able to make very conclusive estimates. I'll talk about a couple of these indicators in more detail. Um, one is the likelihood of being born to a teen mother we see that African-American children are over two times as likely to be born to a teen mother, while it's over three and a half times as likely for Latino children. Again, why is this important? 
because children with a teen parent are likely to experience a range of poor health outcomes, also um, poor schooling and employment outcomes, as well as be victims of child abuse and other um, safety issues when they're uh, young. This is a case where we examine national data rather than California data. The rate of um, HIV among adults was about seven times greater for African Americans, while about three times greater for Latinos. And this is important because it results in mortality at relatively young ages, and also it's considered a preventable health condition. Just to put this in perspective for California, um, it's the eighth leading cause of death for African American men compared to being the 10th leading cause of death for Latino men and 13th leading cause of death for white men. So now turning to a group of what we call public safety indicators. We identified 12 indicators where the odds were 2.0 or greater for one of these two groups. And this is a really uh, striking set of statistics here. First of all, we see that the African-American group has odds greater than two in every one of these categories. Second, for each indicator, it is greater for African-American men than it is for Latino men. And last, the size of these is often quite large. So in most of these tables, we'll see sizes, um, these odds ranging from numbers like two to four. And you can see in this table, um, the odds are uh, in many times greater than four. And we have numbers as high as 8.8, 10, 16. Um, so these are really big disparities. I also wanted to point out in the area of public safety, instead of odds, we examined um, a proportionality index in a couple of cases. And um, here the example is foster care. And in this case, we divide the fraction of individuals in foster care by the fraction of the group in the overall population to get this proportionality index. So if the number is below one, it means they're underrepresented in the foster care population. If it's above one, it means they're overrepresented. And so what you can see here in California, African-American children are highly overrepresented in the foster care system. In fact, while African-American kids constitute about 7% of the child population, they make up about 28% of the foster care population. We also use an index to look at the likelihood of being in prison. And here you see that uh, whites are underrepresented in the prison population. Latinos are uh, represent in the prison population at about the same rate they are in their general population, but African American men are very overrepresented in the prison population. In fact, they're about four times more likely to be in prison. So, last, we'll look at ready to learn indicators, which are primarily about education. And we examined seven indicators that had odds 2.0 or greater in this set. If you look at these um, achievement indicators for reading and math at grades four and eight, 
you can see that Latinos and African Americans have very similar odds ratios. It's uh, actually somewhat remarkable. However, in the other indicators, we do see differences for the two groups. This is one of the indicators that is really key for individual and um, group well-being, the fraction that have completed high school. So many of you probably know that the wage gap between those who have completed a BA and completed high school and those who have not completed high school has continued to grow over the last couple of decades. And in fact, the real earnings of individuals who have not completed high school has actually gone down. This is important not only because it affects families' income, but also, again, it's associated with positive health behaviors, investments in children, child development activities, well-being of the rest of the family. African-Americans are about twice as likely to complete less than high school, but this number is about seven times as likely for Latinos. When you look inside that statistic, you see that it's largely explained by differences in educational attainment by immigration status. For citizens, about nine out of 10 native-born citizens complete high school. But compare that to naturalized citizens where about three quarters complete high school and non-citizens where the fraction is only about half. Another area where we see differences is in school suspension. Latinos have only slightly greater likelihood of being suspended from school, but this is about two and a half times greater for African-American student, male students. And um, this relies also on national data. And school, school suspension clearly inhibits learning because students aren't in the classroom. And also, it's been associated with a much greater likelihood of dropping out of school. So now I'll talk briefly about some approaches to reducing these disparities. There's a large literature that suggests that these disparities are a result of cumulative adverse socioeconomic conditions and also having unequal access to services like healthcare, education, also adequate housing and employment. Not surprisingly, as you review research on how to reduce these disparities, the solutions also reflect this broad context. And what we uh, observed was that the solutions to reducing disparities are unlikely to um, imply that there is one solution or one approach or even one area that one should examine, but rather um, an effective strategy for reducing disparities is likely to involve rather a portfolio of approaches and approaches that are at different levels, such as the policy level, the community level, and the individual level. So we provide a number of examples at these different levels in the report, and I'll just give a couple of examples here. So one is a policy level change that affects foster care. And this was recommended in GAO's 2007 report that um, suggested that Congress amend federal law. And the issue turned out to be that African-American children were remaining in the foster care system much longer. And when you looked more closely at um, 
where they were residing, it was much more likely to be with family members who are unlikely to um, uh, eliminate parental visitation rights and um, uh, have more uh, separation between the birth parents and the family that would result in adoption. So as a result, GAO recommended that federal law allow reimbursement for um, legal guardianship, such as would be the case when you're living with a family member, um, to be more like adoption so that more of the African-American children would result in uh, permanent placements. Um, and um, uh, it turned out they also recommended that uh, the states start to collect better data so that they would better be able to understand the nature of these disparities because again, um, if you identify trends like um, the fact that certain groups are living with family members rather than moving into permanent placements through adoption, you'll better be able to identify ways that you might address those disparities. A second type of example is at the community level and uh, this comes from Los Angeles County. And again, through data analysis, Los Angeles County uh, planners recognize that in many urban residential areas, they didn't have access to childcare centers. And they started looking at this more closely and discovered that in zoning laws, childcare centers were considered like light industries. And so they weren't allowed to be placed in residential areas, but rather they were often in light industrial parks next to say a PC repair center or something like that. And so it turned out that for no reason other than these zoning laws, um, some of these communities did not have access to licensed childcare. So they changed the zoning laws and um, childcare centers are now treated like schools instead of light industry. And um, you see over time a much higher rate of these childcare centers being placed near children's homes and the access has improved. At the individual level, there are a whole host of evidence-based programs that have been demonstrated to make a difference. I'll provide one example here, again, from Los Angeles. Um, Rand worked with Los Angeles Unified School District to develop a program known as CBITS, and that stands for Cognitive Behavioral Intervention for Trauma in Schools. And that was a program designed to help children who had been exposed to violence and were exhibiting trauma-related symptoms. So those are things like depression, very high levels of stress, and behavior problems. It was um, shown mostly with uh, Latino students to substantially reduce their trauma-related symptoms and it since has been extended to many more schools and now actually extended around the globe. But that's just one example. Um, RAND operates a project called the Promising Practices Network on children, families, and communities that you can find at this URL, but it lists um, about 200 evidence-based programs, many of which are designed to address the types of disparities we discuss in this report. So in closing, I mentioned the report was primarily designed to think about where would one start to reduce disparities? Where are some of the biggest gaps? 
but we also think the report's useful in helping measure over time whether or not we're making progress toward reducing the disparities. Second, our data collection activities really highlighted the need to improve data for boys and men of color. For example, even though they're the third largest group of boys, we had almost no data on Asian boys and men. Also, these groups are extremely diverse. So better data would allow you to capture that diversity. For example, comparing um, new immigrant groups to other groups, you find very different statistics. Um, one example is some of the worst outcomes in California observed among Cambodian, Vietnamese, and Laotian communities. And if you compare them to Asian communities from more industrialized countries, you get a totally different picture. Another issue is California has a growing multiracial population. In fact, by 2015, it's expected that multiracial kids will comprise the fourth largest group of boys and be even larger than African-American boys. And then last, as we collected all of these data, examined these indicators, we also observed very large disparities for <laughs> girls and women of color. So even though that's not included in this report, um, we thought that was noteworthy and we hope to do additional work in that area in the future. So thanks again for coming. I wanted to say that the report and summary are available for free at the RAND website. And that's www.rand.org. And that concludes this part of the presentation. This presentation is provided as a public service by the RAND Corporation. Visit www.rand.org to learn more about these issues and to explore RAND's free online library of more than 10,000 policy reports and commentaries.